The Planted Mindset podcast is sponsored by Sassy 10, a new online fitness and nutrition program designed specifically for you if you're a menopausal mum who feels like your body of your 20s is a distant memory. You've lost your energy, motivation, but most of all, your sparkle. During your journey, you'll be supported, listened to, held accountable, motivated and re-energized to transform not only your body, but your mindset too. You'll be given everything you need to sculpt a stronger, sexier you in just 10 weeks to regain your sassy. Follow Sassy in 10 on Instagram and find out more by clicking on the link in the bio or hit the link in the show notes to start today. The hardest part is starting, but you'll be so glad you did. Welcome to the Planted Mindset Podcast and episode 25. Glad to have you back and I've got a corker of an episode. Um, You could say that this is more for the ladies, but actually guys, this is really important for you to to understand this stuff as well. Um, And it certainly will score you some brownie points, I'm sure. So uh, today's guest is Jill Fairburn. Um, She's an experienced therapist and coach. Uh, She's been working in the health and wellness and fitness industry for many years. Uh, she's skilled in holistic health, coaching runners, um, and is an endurance sports specialist, uh, therapeutic massage and strength conditioning coach as well. Uh, she's got a, a good, strong community um, of her lady clients, um, and we're going to be talking in this episode about performance and periods um, and postmenopause and perimenopause um actually perimenopause uh, i don't think we touch into too much in the post but um everything basically about the menstrual cycle and what that does um how that impacts our training and what we should uh, potentially be doing now for for many women this could be a, a, a light bulb moment and you know we're quite honest and open in this episode about how we've delved into the research uh, to find out more about the topic ourselves most recently as well. So, you know, if if you're thinking, well, I don't know, I didn't know there was any difference um, or should I be doing anything different, then this is definitely an episode to listen to. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Plantative Mindset Podcast and this is episode 25 and I really can't wait to talk to my guest that I have today because I think we've we've just chatted off air before we started this and we've unearthed quite a few, um, I don't know, queries, perceptions, issues that if it's something that we've felt and we're obviously qualified in our field that this must be relevant to lots of other females out there so i with no <laughs> more of me to i'm going to welcome onto the podcast jill fairbairn um welcome to the podcast how are you doing today hi natasha thanks very much for inviting me i'm good thanks i'm enjoying the sunshine for a change yeah, the last day uh, it's reported to be, isn't it? And then I think we, we're going to have uh, three days of rain. Let, let's hope that they've got that wrong. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I think we all probably could do with cooling down a little bit. But um, Jill, could you tell the audience just a little bit about yourself before we go into, you know, this sort of juicy topic we're going to speak about? Okay, so, um, well, my name is Jill Fairburn. I'm based in the Scottish Borders. I'm a sports massage therapist and a running coach, but I mainly just now work with uh, female runners and it's helping them to work with their own body rather than try and fight against it like we usually seem to be doing to try and get a bit stronger and being able to just really enjoy your running a bit more. I think that's such, uh, I'm going to start straight away and tap into that. Um, That's because it has some relevance to me. Um, Firstly, because... I run as well. Um, secondly, um, I, what you just mentioned there, you know, enjoying it. Um, I often thought that with running, it was either you went for a PB and it was grueling or you sort of did a fair weather run and it was enjoyable. And in theory, you can do both as you've researched if you know how to fuel your body and how to drain. Um, 
What would you say um, is the biggest issue that, that women are facing with regards to their training or what, running? What is the biggest problem they're encountering at the moment? And, I, and we're, we're specifically talking on this episode for, for women over 40. So um, with that caveat. Um, a lot of um, the runners that I'm working with at the moment seem to be having um, more issues with energy just now um, and even just fitting things in it's I think there's so many programs out there it's really hard to choose and often you'll see something on the internet and you'll download it and think all right I've got to follow this plan I've got to follow it to the letter and it has to be like it's almost like a box ticking thing it comes down to in the end it's not it takes the enjoyment out of it so they've got this race that they've signed up for and it's three months away but they've got all these boxes to tick and it just the biggest thing is that they're not they've lost the motivation to train because the race is so far away and they've got all the boxes to tick and they've got no time to do it and no energy to do it. Um, so it's just trying to help them fit things in. Oh, do you, you're speaking my language, Jill. Um, <laughs> firstly, because uh, I did a 10k race on Sunday and it was my my PW, my personal worst. It was awful. Oh, no. um, and the heat was just I knew it was going to be hot, but it was just ridiculous for me. And and the first thing that is interesting is obviously when you're running, it's it's about competing with yourself and understanding when you can push and when you can't. Um, and I realized and sensibly that I just didn't have any energy, like you said, in the tank. But also I found that I was suffering um, with goosebumps and, and hot and cold um, shivers mm -hmm. every time i got up to 5k when i ran and then i had to walk run walk run but yeah. i pushed myself to not do it until i reached each next kilometer uh when i walked the the goosebumps stopped but the minute i started running again they came back I didn't actually know at the time until I researched it afterwards that that's, um, you know, heat exhaustion and obviously is really yeah. can be quite dangerous. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm glad that I did do what I could do, but it really peeved me that I couldn't run um, mm -hmm. the competitive side of me, um, a personal worst and wondering why everyone else could. And the thing is that we are all individual. We are all imperfectly perfect. And some people are better adapted at heat than others. And clearly I'm not. <laughs> so it's, it's a, a lesson to myself to listen to, to my body and, you know, don't push for sometimes these best times because I could have found myself being, you know, obviously seeking medical attention, which would have been awful as well because I was there on my own. Um, so... <laughs> with with obviously women signing up for something um as you said like that 12 week um does overwhelm play a big part as well i think so yeah um i think it well obviously like you say it depends on the individual because we've all got a kind of different attitude and some people really like the challenge of having the race to so they have the challenge of the plan to complete but for some people it can be really overwhelming to have all that in front of them um, sorry. And do you do you think? No, that's all right. Um, and do you think that um, with regards to the training, that women need to realise that they are different from men? Because I know that you've you've uh, recently completed a course um, about women are not small men uh, by Stacey Sims, and that you know perhaps the program that they've downloaded was was not actually prescribed for a woman but actually a man and and maybe some modifications or some adjustments need to be made what are those modifications and when or how do you think they should be implemented what are you you teaching your clients um, so yeah so it's it is really common for the programs that you download to be designed around um fit young male athletes and so when we're looking at um, ladies our age who are 40s, we're possibly perimenopause or we could be on oral um, contraceptive or all sorts of things going on. So it does change the way that your body responds to the training. Um, and even be between women and men, there are differences as well. The best way to start to think about it is that 
we need to know where you are in your cycle because your hormone levels are going to vary throughout that. Um, once we know that, it's easier to take the programme and fit it better to you. I mean, it's because it's absolutely fine finding the programme online, but you maybe want to have a think about where you are in your cycle and adapt it and spread things out a bit so that it's going to suit you. So you've got enough time to adapt it and to recover from it as well. See, yeah. I don't think I don't think women. Well, I certainly didn't. Um, now I've run two marathons, and <laughs> I didn't have a Barney McGrew about uh, different stages of uh, uh, my menstrual cycle. You know, as in the the follicular and luteal mm. phase. I had no clue. I ran a half marathon, and I'm going to say it out loud on air. Um, literally, when we arrived, it was Cambridge half marathon. We all went to the loo like you do and I was like oh my god I've just started my period oh my oh. god and and I had to rush to a shop and lucky enough and that and and I hadn't even had time to think about the fact that then I was running with my period mm -hmm. um and what that actually meant yeah. um and that must that must wrong foot women especially obviously being perimenopausal because your yeah. period's can become irregular so you could think that you, you you've timed it right for for whenever that race is and you could be yeah. wrong-footed mm -hmm. so what would you what would you adapt or change for women um bearing in mind that we're saying like um day one of the cycle our menstrual mm -hmm. cycle is day one of our period if we start from that point what would you suggest that they do is that okay to sort of run through that yeah uh -huh. um so so the first thing probably to say is that I think it gets a it gets your period gets a really bad press, really, doesn't it? It's because when you go like yourself, you turn up at the race and you go to the lens like, oh no, what am I going to do? But actually, it's a really good sign because it's a sign that you're really healthy and that your hormones are working well. And actually, the day one of your cycle starts off the period when you're going to be stronger. So in your follicular phase, your hormone levels are quite low everything's quite well reasonably stable depending on sort of your age and all your um, other background health um, so you're going to be probably finding it slightly easier to run a bit stronger um, so keeping up your pace might be a little bit easier than it would be like the week leading up to your period when you're maybe feeling a bit sluggish and bloated and tired so so that's like why I've got a PB. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> and your training as well, obviously. Um, let's see, you'd be, so day one really is the first day of... The follicular the phase, isn't it? Yeah. So um, that, um, if we're going by a textbook example of a period being 28 days, which not really very many women are going to fit into, I think they say it's between 21 and 40 days is the yeah. <laughs> average. Um so you would be in your follicular phase until you ovulate. And then that's when your hormones start to kick in and it's your body basically preparing itself to become pregnant. And if that doesn't happen... So that's the, day yeah. 14, right? And yeah. yeah, what's interesting is in when we get to day 14 um, of ovulation, your mm. um, estra, and I can never say the word, estradiol i can't say it properly um your um fsh your follicular stimulating hormone and the luteinizing hormone they all shoot up um interestingly your follicular stimulating hormone drops massively and then spikes as does your estradiol um and your progesterone is at its lowest at that point of uh, day 14 on a, a standard um I'm, I'm not being you know a scientist here or anything amazing i'm actually looking at a, a photo that <laughs> 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 I, I thought oh that's that's interesting because i'm trying to figure it out myself uh -huh. um because i'm only 48 and i haven't really figured out with all of the qualifications I've done, um, I'm not ashamed to say that I did not know that there were two stages from day one to 14, yeah. 14 to 28 follicular and luteal. I learned that last no. year. How, how did they not teach us this at school? I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, know, I hold my hands up. <laughs> it's, it's strange when you start to look at it a bit more and you think, oh, I don't really remember this from school, but I actually don't think it was 
probably part of the curriculum wasn't really concentrating on the differences between men and women, was it? So we kind of did that afternoon talk about your periods and that was it. Exactly. But it's, it's, but it's such a big, as you said, for, for training, it, it makes so much sense um, mm -hmm. that obviously while we like follicular is, is basically that's when we're at our strongest, aren't we? So this is yeah. where we can go for those PBs. Like you say, our pace may be a bit faster. We could lift heavier. We're just mm -hmm. feeling badass. And then yeah. obviously we, we go into the second half yeah. <laughs> and we'll start to fall off. <laughs> That sounds about right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like halfway through, and then it gets a little bit, a little bit more uncomfortable. But it is just the, it's just the surge in the progesterone. I think really is the main one that comes up. Estrogen comes up as well, and they work together, but they kind of work against each other as well. So, even things like, if you were doing a strength program, so in your follicular phase, you're going to probably get better adaptions from that if you schedule it properly, because you're body's got less progesterone so it can build muscle more easily so because progesterone's a bit catabolic it starts it can break down the muscle more so when you're in the luteal phase after ovulation it is harder to build the muscle mass but you still need to maintain it so just a bit adjusting the way you're training like that so a little bit like periodization but not the sort of standard three weeks on one week off that might work really well if you've got a 28 day cycle but mm -hmm. for women when we're so varied um and especially if we're in perimenopause as well when all your hormones are going up and down and up and down and up and down we don't know where we are um probably the best thing to do then is, is to just be tracking everything so that you're not just tracking your period, but you're tracking your mood so you can overlay that as well. So you'll start to see patterns there too. And that'll give you clues for which which phase that you might most likely be in. So with um, the uh when we're perimenopausal and if the periods are irregular, so so say they, they fall out of the usual 28 days, we'll we'll just stay that as an average. Yeah. Um you're sort of stuck in this long luteal phase then, am I right? until that next um, period hits i think i think it depends it's because it will depend on whether you're ovulating or not as well um so i can't really answer that one sorry it's yeah, i think no, it I just because from woman to woman as well because of hormones basically you know obviously feeling grotty uh feeling mm -hmm. tired fatigued um what's interesting you know feeling more hungry just prior to the, obviously the next follicular phase yes. um i i think i read somewhere that they said that actually our uh, basal metabolic rate does increase like we it's not you know it's not a myth that we get more hungry no. um, the body actually is requiring more nutrients obviously you know yeah. for for what's actually gonna gonna happen and uh -huh. then how um our metabolism speeds up um so where we don't feel that we need to eat so much um and you know we're more satiated from food which is interesting as well yeah it's um i think in the when you're in the luteal phase when you're um when your body's trying to build up the uterine lining so it can um prepare you to become pregnant if you were going to be so that's you built you're needing to build tissue so you need to take in more nutrients for your body to be able to do that so you you will probably feel more hungry because your body's generally using more energy um and but when you mentioned about the luteal phase lengthening yeah. i think when when you're start to become a little bit irregular sometimes you can be five five to seven days shorter or longer and it's considered right. reasonably normal in perimenopause because it is so variable it's usually the follicular phase that lengthens and the luteal phase will generally stay the same ah oh, follicular phase lengthens yeah interesting which well, if you know when it bit. is yeah <laughs> if you know when it is that might give you a bit of an advantage in your training as well because you'll be able to put all your harder work in there and you'll have your luteal self luteal phase still for your recovery and sort of skill ah. skill based training mobility and things like that 
So, I mean, this is really fascinating. I'm, I, this is why I love doing this podcast because I'm learning every every day, um, and I'm learning from amazing guests. So, with regards to your ladies, um, obviously you've uh, ascertained to when that the, their cycle is. Obviously, you, you have to get to know them very well to be able to do mm. that. Um, but what typically would you? And is this more for the runners? What would you? Uh, suggest that they be doing more of in in the first half, the follicular phase, and what should they be doing more of in the second or backing off? Uh, That's difficult because it's going to depend on your, whether you're naturally cycling or if you're on any form of contraceptive um, Ah, or if you're perimenopausal or menopausal. Let's go perimenopausal. Perimenopausal. Okay. So first thing we want to be doing is tracking so we know where we are. Because if we don't know where we are, whatever we do is guessing, really. Um, So once we know where we are um, in our follicular phase, we probably want to be doing more high-intensity work, um, like plyometrics as well. And we want to be doing, well, obviously, we're going to be going by whatever our goals are too. Yeah, yeah, Um, sure. But... In perimenopause, really, what we want to be doing is thinking about that menopause is coming. So whatever we're doing now is going to be things that we're going to be carrying right through. So it's not like um, we're going to do this till menopause and then we're not doing anything after that. It's just getting it all ready so we're ready to keep going because we're going to keep need to keep doing the plyometrics to build the bone health. Yeah, bone density um, is, is the yeah. one that, um, that decreases um, as we age. Yeah, um, uh-huh. um, and things like, like lifting heavier than we are maybe just now as well, because we want to be um, keeping our lean muscle mass, but we also want to make it functional muscle. We want to be able to like lift things when we're like ninety. <laughs> so yeah. we need to be yeah, keeping exactly. working on it. It's like it is. It gets a bit like if you don't use it, you lose it. Um, but yeah, you're going exactly. to get a better response from the heavier stuff rather than the standard like little weights for three sets of 12. Um, so go low, lower reps, high, higher weight, um, yeah. higher intensity. So basically, mm-hmm. listen, I mean, yeah. from everything that you've said already, it's, it's the key to it. obviously track. You know, we need data. Yeah. Uh, the second, listen to your body. Yeah. Third, push yourself in the follicular phase you you've got that extra energy you should feel more pumped you should feel good mm-hmm. whatever your goal is or whatever it is with that be running you know you know push harder on those intervals those sprints those hill sessions um because th- this is what's interesting because there's obviously like say you've got a 12 week program for a half marathon which i've got mm-hmm. coming up in october so you've got that type of periodization but then you've obviously like you said you've got your overall life periodization yeah. i.e of moving and then you've got to mediate between yeah all of them <laughs> yeah it's, it's it sounds like it should be really overwhelming but once you start getting down to what you need to do and when you need to do it, building in your recovery, because you need to make sure you're still in the follicular phase that you're definitely getting the recovery as well. Um, it doesn't have to be, so if, for example, when you're talking about a half marathon, we're so used to being, looking at our 12 week plan and going, okay, on week seven, we're going to be doing 10 miles and then we'll do another 10 miles. And then through the week, we'll do five, six, seven miles. But probably it's going to be more beneficial for us, especially in perimenopause and beyond that. If we're thinking about those days during the week, we're concentrating more on the lifting heavy stuff during the follicular phase and doing a little bit of maybe high intensity stuff, maybe a couple, maybe a short run, short fast run or a hilly run. Um, not all of these, obviously, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, spread out in a system. <laughs> and then we're much. saving the weekend for the for the longer distance. But we don't maybe need to go even up to the 10, 11 miles. Maybe seven or eight is going to be enough and maybe split over two days. So you're spreading out through the week, but you're making yourself strong enough to be able to manage the distance on the day rather than spending all your time running all the distance just to get round and totally wearing yourself out for that 12 weeks of your life in between. So 
when you think a woman's body is more predisposed for endurance already because we're burning more fat at that effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so can sense? I ask you, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Can I ask a question then? So um, obviously for, for me that I've noticed that, um, I mean, like you said, uh, specificity, we know about SMART goals. You need to be doing whatever it is that whatever your big goal is you need to focus your attention on that mm-hmm. i'm i'm in a bit of a caveat because i'm looking to strength train but i'm also doing a half marathon mm-hmm. <laughs> um which means i'm gonna have to devote a fair bit of time but what i've noticed i my, my pace has dropped off big time and i've, I've found it really tough uh-huh. and i don't know whether that's because i've been focusing more on my strength training or it's because i'm perimenopausal or a bit of both to be honest so uh-huh. um using me as an example because there's many women out there um would you say that you know your pace can be impacted by perimenopause um or just the timings of when i've been running maybe I've been running in, I've been pushing myself not aware in, in the luteal phase. Um, it could be a combination of things. It's obviously, it's difficult without looking at what you've been doing. Um, so when you're combining your running with your strength, it might be worth thinking about um, not so much heart rate zones, but like polarising your training so that when you're lifting and you're doing your heavy things and then when you're doing your running that um you're doing it like in blocks so okay. you would even maybe have like two weeks where you concentrated on the strength and a deal load week depending on your cycle and then two weeks where you concentrated on your speed and you were still doing your strength to maintain it but speed was the focus so in this when you're focusing on your speed you'd be making sure that you're for example, intervals, you were doing your intervals as fast as you could with your recovery, and then you would do your longer, slower runs really, really slow. Yeah. So you were polarizing the run in that way, but you were making sure you had the energy for the speed. So you were kind of breaking it up. Does that make sense? You would do a yeah. block of strength and then a block of speed rather than trying to do it together because it might not yeah. work that yeah, well if trying to do idea. everything. That's, that's a great idea. So what happens then as women, we move into the not so good phase the, the you know, we've hit day 14, we're now into the luteal phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is when obviously we're not going to be at our best. Um, so this is when the progesterone spikes massively. Um, uh, but, un, uh, you know, uh, the, the luteinizing hormone absolutely flatlines. Um, and yeah, um, yeah the follicular stimulating hormone fsh also tends to drop down what what should we be doing in from from day 14 to day 28 if we were on a you know on your your standard plan (laughs) Uh, so about day 14 maybe the few days after that you could continue a little bit with the follicular phase plan but you'd probably start to gradually um make that make it like more like a deload especially in the last week um, and maybe think about so this would be the week before your period yeah I'll lead up to that because generally really generally that's the week that you're probably going to feel a bit bloated Crap. a bit lethargic <laughs> yeah a bit like everything's too hot you're a bit grumpy you just want some chocolate you've just not got maybe lost a bit of motivation as well so you don't want to be thinking I've got to do um, mild repeats and I'm I can't do it because I feel like I'm a baby elephant <laughs> can't fit in yeah. my sports bra. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be a good fit. Um, so when you're in that time, treat it as a sort of deload, and you're doing a bit lower intensity things, but mobility um, and things like working on your balance is really good as well. Because if you can get the things like your balance right in that week, or the things that you don't feel quite so good at when you come to the better weeks. You're going to feel much better at it because you're going to be you've had the practice um, but it's less intense on your body in that week as well can i ask you obviously you've been working in line with this and integrating this into the uh, with with your clients um it's it's you know it's one of those things that i i'm sure a lot of women are probably go oh my god light bulb 
mm. you know, many may not even track their periods that so don't even know when they're coming. Um, mm. Normally it is the symptoms that come first the week before that then you suddenly realize that obviously it's coming the next week. Um, how have the women fared that you've um, obviously adjusted their training? What, what's, what sort of feedback have you received? Um, so it, this is relatively new for uh, the runners that I'm working with just now, but overall it's been really positive because it's it's letting them see why I'm asking them to make some changes, and they can see from from their own track and what's going to be coming up. So there, I think it makes it easier mentally when you're thinking about there's maybe a race coming. It's maybe not going to be on the week that you want it to be on. But you know that there's things that you can do to kind of make yourself feel better or to sort of reframe how you're looking at it. So from that point of view, it's it's been good. Um, a couple of times people are a bit resistant to try it, but it's I think it's still a bit taboo to be asking people about their periods. Some people don't like it, um, but if it's got the benefits, it's I think it's worth talking about. Yeah, I mean, as as we say, we we we're both um, obviously done uh, qualifications. I mean, you're 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 massively uh, qualified, obviously, from a science perspective, a therapist, and you know, obviously, as a as a coach. But I know again that none of this came up in any of my study, and and there can be that. Um, sort of school of thought just push through no matter what because like you say mm -hmm. your race make full you know smack bam you know um the week before your period which is yeah. probably the worst time for it to happen mm -hmm. and that's when the race is so yeah. is is there damage limitations or is it a lot to do with uh how you focus your mindset um so it a bit both. It's there's never there's no bad time in your month really. I know we're making it seem like um, luteal phase is horrendous, um, but it's just really to get the point of the, the being the cycle across. So if you, I mean whenever your race falls, there's definitely things you can do to help yourself feel better and sort of mitigate some of the PMS type symptoms. Um, in your luteal phase, it's going to be things like looking at what you're eating, looking at your hydration, um, even things like if it's a day like today where it's really hot, thinking about maybe what you're going to do to cool yourself down. Um, so taking a cool drink before you even start, maybe if it's a, a day like today, starting the race with wet hair, things like that, just because your temperature often feels like you, you can't manage the heat as much as you can normally. So if you're starting off a little bit cooler, it's going to feel you're going to feel more comfortable for longer um making sure that you're feeling properly as well you've had enough to eat um that's often a big problem as well and just looking at ingredients and things for things that might make your stomach upset and being prepared really um sure yeah i mean that's that's great jill um, I mean, some people, depending obviously on the distance of their, you know, their running and, and yeah. when they train, um, may run fasted or not. Um, mm. Obviously, there, there, there is normally sort of up to 60 minutes, you're sort of okay um, to be training fasted, but it's, it's anything after that 60 minute that you're sort of depleting that glycogen um out of that muscle and that's why you probably bonk a bit um mm -hmm. but what you know obviously you said in the luteal phase of of you know i mean obviously we need to focus on nutrition all the way through yeah. but is there any particular foods that you recommend more in the second half of your like what would you say are better foods to eat mm -hmm. in the second half of the cycle um i haven't actually researched this myself so um, is, it, is it bananas as well because of the potassium and so it's more about, it's probably more about timing than it is about what the food is. So um, cause you'll hear a lot of people talking about their carb loading before the race, but it's not actually that effective for women. Um, so probably in the luteal phase, what we're wanting to do is have the carbs during the race, depending obviously on the length of it. Um, because when your progesterone is higher, it doesn't let you access the carbohydrate as easily. So we're more reliant on the fatty acids. So if we're taking in a little drop of carbs throughout the race, 
it's going to benefit us more than trying to have like a big plate of pasta the night before. Um, and obviously we're going to feel more comfortable as well because we're not going to be full of pasta. Um, but it's not it's not going to induce that much good. Um, but I think and seeing this from somebody who used to always run fasted, um, a big thing probably is to make sure you eat something before you go just to raise your blood sugar. Because when you're fasting, your cortisol level is going to go up. And when you exercise, that's another form of stress. So all yeah. we're doing is adding stress onto stress and it makes it harder to recover. So, yeah, because your insulin levels um, when you're fasted are going to be at their lowest. Um, yeah. You know, and and obviously it depends what your goal is. Obviously, if it's yeah. for for weight loss, then that's fine. And and a small amount of stress, obviously, for the body is good. But like you say, cortisol levels high if you're training, you know, consistently, mm -hmm. then leads to injury. And as you've said, you yeah. you know about that, Jill. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I think that was my speciality a year ago. <laughs> How to be injured. <laughs> So what, what advice would you give to women then? So this is like a bit of a, an aha moment for you that mm. actually by changing a variable such as having some food prior to running has reduced yeah. your your the impact of injuries that you've been having. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I used to always run fasted and I thought it was, I thought, I thought it was doing me good. Um, and I think that's probably a bit of a... Um, body image thing as well probably because I don't typically look like a runner Um, I've not got that willowy frame <laughs> that you see lots of runners that have and I think I had it in my head that if I have I don't, I don't maybe need to be eating too much because it'll slow me down but actually I probably needed that energy for my body to recover from what I was doing and I was going out and running again probably not having eaten enough afterwards as well throughout the day so my body was just probably more in a breaking down state more than it was uh, building up or like I probably wasn't benefiting myself very much from the all the training that I was trying to do um, and just got myself in a really low energy zone and took such a long time to get out of it and I'm probably still trying to get out of it just now but just taking little steps to and it's only little changes that I'm making I'm not eating huge bowls of porridge before I go it's like half a banana that's all and just making sure that my timing's better when I come in, that I have something straight away. Um, and then throughout the rest of the day, it's just back to normal. So it's not a huge... Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to, to hear that. Um, obviously, we've got to listen to our bodies more, be a bit more intuitive. Mm -hmm. Like you say about uh, timing of foods, um, I do know that, you know, the GLUT4 receptors are really, you know, they, that you, you've you got GLUT2 in the liver, GLUT4 in the muscle. Um, they're sort of open after you've, certainly if you've like strength trained, and I presume the same for, for running. Mm -hmm. So that's when uh, your, your cells are responsive to take in the energy so yeah. if you eat your carbohydrates this is why they say because they always say like have protein shake after because that's repair and growth but it's actually also getting the carbohydrates back in the body yeah. whilst those cells are open and they can literally suck it straight in <laughs> yeah absolutely that's i think people forget about that and nobody wants to eat carbs these days but you need the carbs with the protein together so that you can properly refuel your uh, glycogen stores it's going to go back into the muscle much more easier um, yeah, and that's another one of the differences between the recovery between men and women is that women just have a really short period after when that kind of gates open it's like 30 to 35 minutes and men have got up to 21 hours so really getting the, yeah getting the timing right is really important um, it's not that you're not going to get the benefits but you're going to get more the sooner you can refuel Wow, that so, is. I I knew that that I thought there was. You know, I didn't. It's debatable about that gate as to how big it was, but I didn't yeah. realize that there was a a caveat between men to to, yeah. to women in in knowing that. I mean, and this is the thing: carbohydrates get a bad rap, but they're not bad. It's it's the type of carbs, and that's what yeah. is important. You know, if you can eat unprocessed um you know the grains the pulses um mm -hmm. you know and fruit gets a bad rap as well uh for, for you know sugar but if it's eaten in its wholest form then you're getting all the fiber the phytonutrients and mm -hmm. all of those sort of uh you know not just mood boosting but but immune boosting effects that, that they can give you 
um yeah. which you know i do i do like my well i have, I have to like my my fruit because i'm plant-based <laughs> <laughs> so <problem>. um, <laughs> yeah i'm not going to be uh eradicating fruit fruit out of my diet um you know in in that Gosh. respect but it's like you say knowing when when and how to eat it i think that's absolutely you know crucial I've i've learned so much just hearing you speak today about this and you know as i said excuse my own ignorance of not even knowing the difference myself even having qualified um how it has such a big impact and i think as we get older um mm. that perimenopause that zapping of energy maybe it's more noticeable so so when you are younger as a female maybe those dips or spikes aren't so severe um and, and maybe that's why we're more aware because we're we're flatlining mm -hmm. um more regularly in mm -hmm. perimenopause yeah i think it's and it's more talked about now as well that perimenopause is a thing i don't think i don't remember it being i think when i was at school i don't remember it being mentioned in in anything any classes that we were in so it might yeah, but I think you're right. It's, we don't notice it so much when we're younger. When our hormones are maybe a bit more regular. It's just when they start to do all the crazy shit. So it's like, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> yeah. But, well, a lot uh, of yeah. the time you don't even know. Like, I mean, thanks to Davina McCall and the, and the program, obviously that she she had out. Um, was it last month or the month before? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, bringing it to to the fore because. To be quite honest, you know, half the population are female. They're going to go through menopause, um, yeah. and yet there really, really is little education about mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah. And knowing when you're actually even going to start going through this, um, yeah. you go into it, you fall into it blindly. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that from from my own experience that I fell into it blindly, mm -hmm. and then I retrospectively look back and go, ah that was oh that was yeah. ah that makes sense and mm -hmm. then i start putting together a pattern of, of four five six seven symptoms of the yeah. 34 that you can experience yes. and go oh my god i'm not going mad but you yeah. you think you know naturally obviously brain fog's one of them as well and you mm -hmm. know all of the other anxiety another one you've got all of these horrible symptoms, but you don't actually know that they're perimenopausal because you're not aware that you're perimenopausal yeah. because there's no, let's put you in for a check. It's just yeah, uh -huh. there's there's not really there's not really anything other than a checklist. But you can't do the checklist until after you've done it because you don't know what you're looking for until then, do you? It's... And you don't know when. It's just really yeah. fascinating. And the fact that you have to be the one that goes and, and researches. And it's not mm -hmm. like, you know, like when you go over 50, the doctors say, right, come in and have your health check. You're over 50, get screened for X, Y, Z, you mm -hmm. know, la, 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 la. There's no sort of come in and let's check your hormones because you may be entering perimenopause no no yeah. no no. you have to be the instigator of ah oh, i think i might be but you've got all this other shit going on that you don't even know your own mind so like, yeah. <laughs> I, it's I, I think it's just we've got to speak about this more so that every other woman doesn't feel like she's the only one that's going slightly mad yeah i would agree with that as well it's, that's been a common theme that's come up in talking to the runners is that there's amazed that nobody's asked them questions about this before um, and it's all things that are relevant to what's happening in their lives at the moment so I think it does need to be talked about more and and, and let's not you know we don't want it all to be doom and gloom uh, there's uh, uh, lots of positives um, eventually when you get through the menopause of being able to mm. wear white um, but <laughs> also it's, it's about how you uh, adopt that mindset yeah. So it's it's been uh, scientifically studied, obviously, how you view this, how mm -hmm. you go into it. If you have a, if you arm yourself, um, you're better prepared, but then you're emotionally and mentally in a better place. Mm -hmm. Your symptoms may be less um, symptomatic or, or cause you as many problems. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's a little bit about your where your mind's at as well, and what 
what your expectations are. If you all you're thinking is going to be, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be awful, I'm going to forget if where everything is, um, it probably is going to be like that because you're not concentrating on what what might happen. Um, but it does, I mean, it definitely helps if you know what to expect. Um, but again, there are things you can put into place to make it easier for you. So there's always there's always something that you can do. There's always an option to look at. Um, it's just trying to find find the right information, really. I think sometimes, because the internet is such a big place, um, and a lot of times when you go to the GP, they're not that sure what to do with you. Um, no, and it's interesting. Um, obviously, general practitioner. It's in it's in the the, the first part of their title. General. Mm -hmm. They have to know a hell of a lot about everything. So unless mm -hmm. you know you've got um, a GP that is specialised in gynaecology um, or nutrition, for that mm -hmm. matter, they don't actually. You know, and and that's not me surmising. This is this has come back from GPs have having said that that they oh. get you know less than six hours worth of of training on nutrition and minimal on you know the reproductive system other than you know f from a point of view of menopause. Um, yeah. So. Uh -huh yeah they you you do need to do your research um but i think there is a lot of support as you said i think the tide is changing there are a lot more groups out there so i would mm -hmm. uh, really recommend for for women um there's some great facebook groups out there mm -hmm. uh, one which i'm a member of um set up by the lovely shelly chapman uh menopause matters the book yeah. that she released and and she uh, set up that group to to help other women, and and mm -hmm. it's it's huge the group, and and it just gives you a safe space to to one be vulnerable and share, mm -hmm. not be judged, and yeah. and two know you're not alone. Yeah, I think that's a big thing that as well, if because it hasn't been so much talked about that often, and especially if you're in that kind of hormone area where everything feels a bit rubbish you do feel like you're on your own you feel like you're the only person that's experiencing this and it can be really difficult to kind of reach out to somebody and say oh, I've not been feeling quite right and quite a lot of the time when you do do it the answer you get is oh yeah me too <laughs> so it definitely pays to talk to somebody about it if you can and from let's just because uh, we're going to get into the quick fire round, but a training perspective then, uh, what would be your top three tips uh, that you would offer now? You've you've obviously investigated this and with mm -hmm. what you've studied and what you know now, what would be your three biggest sort of takeaways? Um, number one, definitely track. Track your period start now and track it. Track your mood on top of it as well so you can see a pattern. Um, you might not see one for maybe three months-ish, but it's worth doing because eventually you should start to see, even if you are perimenopausal, you'll get a pattern from your moods. Um, number two, probably fueling for what you're doing. Uh, so make sure you're eating enough for the workout you're going to do. If you're going to do something hard and intense, make sure you've had enough to eat and you're properly hydrated and that you're hydrating throughout the day as well. Sometimes when you're, you're getting into perimenopause and menopause, your thirst sensation can be muted and also your hunger sensation can be as well. So some days you might feel really hungry and some days you're not hungry at all, but you still need to eat if you're going out to exercise because you're using sure. energy all the time just by living. living. <laughs> yeah, um, and number three, Whatever you're doing, um, the most important thing is that it feels right to you and that you're listening to your body and doing what you feel best on. Um, because you can do all the science-based stuff ever that you want to do and say, oh, this looks on paper perfect. If it doesn't feel right to you, then it's not right for you. <laughs> so you just need to keep adapting it and don't be afraid to change things if they don't feel right. That's uh, three amazing uh, tips there, Jill. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, be empowered to to know your own body and yeah. not feel because I, I do think, like you said, we we do feel like uh, we follow a program. We have to tick box. We get told mm -hmm. that we must, you know, complete it. And 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 actually listening to the body and varying it 
according to what works doesn't mean that then the program's broken and you haven't done yeah. it right and give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's room, there's always room for adapting. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, that's so important. I think, you know, yeah, listen to our bodies. Yeah, food is fuel, absolutely. And and mm. the hydrogen, because uh, a lot of the time I've mentioned how much I drink and I drink um, three litres of water a day. One of the symptoms, obviously, of perimenopause is wanting to go to the toilet a lot. <laughs> so people, uh, you know, when that's been mentioned in the group that how much I drink, um, they go, oh, that's a bit much. It's not. <laughs> it really isn't. But you drink the right amount of water for your body. How do you test that? As Jill knows, it's the, the P test. So mm. you, you're looking for that sort of lightest tinge of, you know, green, lime mm. color. Um, that is sort of optimal. If, if it's completely clear, then then that's probably too much. And then you're going to be worried about uh, you know electrolytes and stuff mm. um, and as you start to go yellow and if you're in brown territory geez you're seriously dehydrated um, yeah get some water so, <laughs> yeah yeah so definitely you know uh, the, the p marker is the best test um, so yeah start start looking down the pan after you've weed um, and then correct it and mm. and you can literally track that throughout the day until then you know what the optimal water take is for you on that given mm. day you know depending on the temperature because we all need more water when it's hotter yeah um <laughs> that's absolutely fantastic so uh, jill um, obviously you you know being a therapist um being a coach everything that you've done i just want to ask you one of the questions what's one of the things that makes your eyes roll every time you hear it oh that's quite difficult um so for me, so, like being plant based, it's like, oh, you're going to get your protein. Uh, oh, oh, no, I can't think of it. The only thing I can think of is more of a sports massage one. And it's sort of when people come in and say, oh, I need you to fix me. That yeah. makes my eyes roll because I can't fix anybody. I'm not a magician. <laughs> no, no, that's true. Um, and, and again, like obviously with the muscles, it's, it's interesting to know that people have a lot more control about uh, correcting themselves if they focus on the the things that they think aren't doing anything i.e the yeah. mindfulness the laying on the floor and just feeling your body on the yeah. floor uh yeah. breathing mm-hmm. um yeah and and mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like it's doing anything so people think, want yeah. to feel a result uh-huh and mobility as well is a big one um and posture I'm aware that I'm not sitting properly just now, um, but that's a big one too. Make sure your desk's at the right height, your chair's at the right height. Yeah, because as they say, um, I, I did a, a CPD and Alexander technique, and and it was and, and obviously and I've done Pilates, and it's it's a big thing about the posture. And mm-hmm. if we have poor posture, that's actually what leads to uh, those muscle imbalances that leads yeah. to that injury or disease in the body, yeah. which is quite fascinating really isn't it yeah because it's it's over time small little changes that's Um, it and uh what would you say um the best so from from a therapist point of view massage therapist what would you say is the best and worst part of your job um i think the best part is just seeing people staying active and being able to do the things they enjoy doing um and just feeling like they can move a little bit better and just keeping going. Um, and the worst part? The worst part. Um, Sore fingers? <laughs> well, the worst part actually this week's the heat because I can only get my window open about five inches um, and we're not allowed fans at the moment because of COVID. So it's uh, just there's no air and we've got the PPE on and the plastic penny and um, it's just that's the worst bit just now yeah oh god yeah if you think about those restrictions that that's tough 
I never thought about that. Um, <laughs> in, interesting there, interesting. Um, I've, I've, I've loved actually chatting about all of this and I, 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 I could talk until the cows come home, but um, I'm conscious that we've got to do the quick fire round. So, um, and obviously time is just, so um, I'm going to ask you 15 questions. They're really uh, simple, either ors uh, or the first thing that comes into your head. Um, I'm going to set the timer um, after I start speaking, just give us your best, Jill. Uh, this is where I normally find out the most about uh, my clients. So are you ready? <laughs> yeah, right, off you go. Pool or sea? Sea. 5K or marathon? Marathon. Skydive or bungee jump? Ooh, neither. Um, <laughs> bungee jump? Star All right, Star Wars or Harry Potter? Harry Potter. Favourite podcast? Ooh, thick thighs save lives, but also I should say the plant based. <laughs> <laughs> Plank or wall sit? Sorry? Plank or wall sit? Ooh, wall sit. Sprouts or bananas? Bananas. Smart or casual? Casual. Most proud of? Ooh, my first ever appearance on a podcast. <laughs> Monopoly or Scrabble? <laughs> Scrabble. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Favourite author? Ooh. Um, oh, heck. Anyone. I'll come back to that one and it'll probably pop into your head. Name a famous person you would like to meet. Oh, I would have liked to have met Princess Diana. Oh, I say I always find something interesting. Yeah. Best business decision? Um, probably doing the Women Are Not Small Men course. Excellent, love it. Most inspirational quote or saying that you like? Um, oh. There's something like, you better keep yourself clean and bright because you're the window through which you see the world. I can't remember who said that. Oh, nice. And uh, you got got an author to mind? Oh, um, my mind's gone completely blank, sorry. That's all right, that's all right. Um, I'm sure you're well read, so you've probably got I, loads of authors to choose from. I can only from. think of J.K. Rowling just now because you said how, because you mentioned Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> No, I've, I must admit, I've got yeah, I've got loads of uh, books here. I mean, I've got um, I've got uh, this lady Amanda Thebe at the moment. I'm reading about menop oh, menno cop. No, I can't even say it. Menno. Oh, men Yeah, I just can't even say the word. What's <laughs> um, on my list too? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I've got I've got that one, and I've got um, another one that's menopause related. Um, got me my time management one by uh, Abigail Barnes. I've got loads about um, yeah. I've got another one about um, Dr. Anis Mukherjee, the complete guide to the menopause. Yeah, I've got I've oh, got heck. literally piles and piles of books. Yeah, <laughs> I do love I do love a Dr. Joe Dispenza as well. Ah, cool. He was the one that got me into this. Um, so, Jill, um, where can people find you if they want to know a little bit more about you? Um, you can find me on Facebook. I am Jill Fairbairn Runner 360 or um, my website is jillfairbairn.com. Okay. And uh, obviously your name will be in the podcast notes and the website as well. So you'll be able to click on that. Um, you don't have to answer this question on air, but out of your contacts, who would you be happy to introduce this podcast to with a view to being a guest? Have a, have a think about that. And then I'm just going to ask you uh, last one um, out of 10 with one being pants and 10 being perfectly splendid. How would you rate this episode? Oh, 10. It's been lovely talking to you. Thanks so much for inviting me. I was terrified. I love this one as well. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. That was it. A... Oh, it was brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, see, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I always say to push yourself out of your comfort zone. So generally speaking, mm. something that really um, has us with trepidation, again, it's an emotion. 
um, and you, we have a choice to uh, butterflies in the tummy or, or dread which mm -hmm. way we view it so sometimes it's reframing it um, not that i'm telling jill to do that but but just people in general when you're apprehensive about something reframe it in your head to say no i'm actually excited um mm -hmm. and that can do wonders as well you're still going to feel the emotion right but yeah. generally you can have that euphoria after once once you've done it <laughs> <laughs> So I've absolutely loved um, having you on the, the, the podcast today, Jill. It's been really, really, you know, uh, fascinating to hear. And I normally finish with an outro quote, but I'm actually going to say the one that I've said to, to one of my clients before. Um, and it's not anything infamous as a quote, but I think it's true in life and certainly in running. Just putting one foot in front of the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thanks very so, much for having me. So simple, but so so, so true, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Um, I've really enjoyed it. Me too. Thanks so much, Natasha. Wow. So we did cover a lot of ground in this episode. And as always, with every guest that I have on this podcast, I learn so much from them. So thank you, Jill, for, for coming on to the Planted Mindset podcast. Uh, loved chatting. And for us to sort of uh, put our heads together with regards to the knowledge, uh, information out there with regard to performance and obviously our menstrual cycle and, and, and the big impact that it can have certainly when we're perimenopausal. Um, so specifically talking to women over 40, uh, likely to be going into that perimenopausal stage, this, you know, episode sort of gives insights into what you can actually do to, to help you. Um, and just awareness really is, is a big part of it, isn't it? Once we know a little bit more about um, our own bodies and what's actually happening and then tracking, we can then make some better informed decisions um, as to what to do. Um, and I think Jill's tips are obviously key in, in that respect. So um, lots, we could have delved so much deeper into all of this, you know, specifically for more running or more strength training or whatever um, it is that you're doing. But ultimately, we're wanting to be fit and healthy, right? Um, we're not professing on this episode to be talking about, um, you know, uh, specific Olympic uh, sport athletes or anyone like that. But just for us ladies that want to keep fit um, and maybe, you know, looking to to set a goal for running their first 5k or or maybe be training for a half marathon like I am uh, in autumn or it could be someone wanting to improve their strength because uh, it's so important that we do do resistance training and and I hopefully that that was uh, you know mentioned in enough detail um for, for those reasons why as, as jill mentioned bone density uh, muscle loss um is so important and and that can be done with resistance bands body weight um or obviously with weights so you don't don't get scared in thinking that you have to do weight training it's just some sort of resistance against the body and the benefits that it gives you absolutely will help um, with some of those myriad of symptoms that, that perimenopausal uh, brings, over 34 of them. So if you don't include strength training in your program uh, or, you know, in your weekly workout and you're perhaps only doing running, um, that's something that I would strongly suggest, you know, incorporating maybe some HIIT training um, just to vary up a little bit. Um, and plyometrics as well so if you're still lost as to well, what does that mean and i'm not quite sure actually what i need to do then feel free to reach out to me uh, drop me a dm on instagram or reach out to jill uh, leave i'll leave the details in the show notes either one of us would be happy to to support you in answering any questions that you may have with regards to your own personal goal 
Um, but I hope this episode was useful and beneficial. If you did find that you took great value from it, please do drop me a DM um, and naturally I will share that with Jill as well because it's it's really important to keep this conversation going. Uh, we've started it and it'll be interesting to know uh, from other women is this something that needs to be spoken about more regularly? Is this something that you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize, you know, this is, oh, I'm so glad that I listened to this. Um, if that is you, then yeah, definitely DM and, and share what you took away from this. But also, please do pass on to your female friends, get them to listen to it as well. Uh, that's called that butterfly effect. And, you know, by sharing, we are educating more women. We're hopefully empowering them as well so that they don't feel like they are the only one because you know if if i felt it if jules felt it then i'm sure that speaking to you you felt it too so uh, that would be my big ask and my other ask would be if you do listen to the show via itunes and you do enjoy it then please head over there and give it um, a rating five stars would be epic and awesome and if you feel inclined that would be even better to leave a review and what benefit you've taken away from this particular episode or if you've been listening to all of them uh, what you like about the show because um, this obviously helps in growing the show and what content to, to put out there and last of all, um, if you are on Instagram, obviously do follow the Planted Mindset podcast on Instagram, but also Sassy 10 Fitness and Joe Felben. Um, I will leave her Instagram handle in the show notes. Um, yeah, do follow because we do supply lots of information, tips and hints on our Instagram that may be of benefit to you as well. Other than that, I hope you have a great whatever you're doing for the rest of the the morning the day the evening wherever you're listening and catch you next time <laughs>